Welcome to episode number 43 of the Peaceful Power Podcast. And today I'm going to interview our very first male guest, Michael Rasley. Sapphire training helps the on-the-go woman feel more energetic, find her inner peace, and become more powerful by creating a fitness lifestyle she loves. Michael's love for fitness started when he was 16. Michael completed college, but he was unsatisfied with his job options. He immediately decided to go through a year-long program and received three certifications in fitness. One year later, he went on to complete two yoga certifications from Lifetime Fitness and Devante in Minneapolis. So today, he's a fitness trainer at Fitspace in St. Louis Park and specialized in corrective exercises and weight loss. So a little background and Michael and I. So I actually met Michael at Fitspace because I trained some clients out of the the studio there, and I happened to have asked him to be on my podcast probably a few months ago, and I had forgotten about it. So I was on Facebook randomly scrolling through, trying to figure out who I was going to ask to be on the last podcast of the year. And um, right as I was looking to ask someone, he popped up in my Facebook and sent me a friend request. I was like, oh my goodness, this is totally the universe telling us clearly we are supposed to be interviewing for this last podcast. So I'm super excited about that. Um, We dive deep into yoga. So we definitely got more into the Ayurveda and doshas. Um, And if you don't know what those are, you will learn today. We dove really deep into that yoga side of things. So if that's your interest, um, we went there. We also talked about fitness and kind of how you can do the crossover. You know, if you're a yoga person who's looking to, you know, learn how to weightlift, how you can make that transition um, and find that balance, as well as if you're, you know, in the gym and you're lifting weights and you're interested in doing yoga, how you can kind of find your yoga practice. So we have lots of tips for you today. I'm super excited to share it with you guys. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm super excited today. We have our first male guest of the show. And so welcome to the show, Michael. Can you tell us a little bit more um, about yourself and how you stumbled into fitness? Thanks for having me, Andrea. I really appreciate it. It's super fun to be here. Um, So I started um, working out when I was 16 um, with one of the trainers um, where I'm now working and uh, became a personal trainer through the Lifetime Academy program. Um, I've been a personal trainer for four years now, and I absolutely love it. Um, I'm yoga certified. I've gone through two different yoga certification programs, one through Lifetime and um, one through Dave Inati, which is a local Minneapolis um, company. Uh, and yeah, I'm just super excited to try and share some knowledge about fitness and yoga and how it's changed my life and uh, hoping to bring that out to other people. So, Yeah, that is so awesome. So how did you get started or interested in yoga to study that? So I was working at uh, Lifetime Fitness. This is 2013, or sorry, 2012. Um, so I started um, getting into yoga because I, I wasn't sleeping. I could not mm. sleep. I was like, went in for sleep studies and um, lowered my caffeine consumption, but I was just too ramped up from lifetime. Um, I worked the 11 to uh, 9 shift, so I'd be there pretty late, and uh, there's a lot of bright lights there and stuff, and I just found myself having a tough time being able to wind down, and there happened to be a 9 o'clock class um, that uh, was offered. It was a vinyasa, a hot vinyasa class, and so I started going going to that once a week and I started sleeping again. Wow. Uh, 9 PM. Yeah. Yeah. It was a later, a later class. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even know how you make it up till 9 PM. 
Man. Yeah. That's, yeah. That is cool. So did it help you sleep better? Yes. I, I immediately noticed the difference. Um, even within class, when I was done with class, I was like, okay, I could totally go to bed now, you know, after an hour of doing this, this yoga, um, class. And, um, so yeah, it instantly changed my life and I was sold. Wow. So, so how long did it take you before you decided that you wanted to go to a yoga study program? It was almost exactly eight months. Um, cause I started doing yoga about four or five months into um, lifetime and I was only there for a year. So as soon as I finished with lifetime, I actually entered, uh, or training at lifetime, I entered into the lifetime, uh, yoga program. And it was with the teacher who I'd been going to, um, on, on those night, nighttime visits, uh, or nighttime classes. Sorry. So I started going to the yoga teacher training program with this man who I first learned yoga from. Um, so that was a big factor in me wanting to do it was, you know, this guy was going to be teaching the program. Yeah. So speaking of guys in yoga, I know that that's, I mean, it's not, it's not as common, um, as people may think, especially here in the Midwest. So is there any like intimidation factor that you had when you went to your first class? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, because I was so used to strength training, a lot of the poses were a little rough. So, you know, uh, most of yoga or a lot of the poses involve a lot of hamstring stretching and uh, twisting, that kind of stuff. I was and, – and, of course, you're trying to pair your breath with some of these movements. So they're saying inhale, exhale, and you're like – looking around and you have no idea what's going on. So probably the first, you know, four or five classes, I really didn't know what I was doing at all. I mean, even by the fifth class, I was still just starting to get it and maybe, maybe stopped looking around to watch other people. Um, so it was a little bit intimidating, but it's just like anything really. I mean, you can't expect to be good at it unless you, you know, start practicing it regularly. It's just like strength training. You know, I'm sure you know, it took you a while to learn from your teachers to get that down. So it was intimidating at first, but it became, it became a fun challenge, you know? Um, Yeah, totally. So is there any advice that you have for like guys who may be listening or probably significant others who are listening, who are trying to get their partners to come to yoga? Is there any advice that you have for them? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, (laughs) I'd say find a yoga class that's right for um the person you know you want to kind of field the classes first right so if you know your husband is really not into or or significant other is really into that hippy dippy stuff where it's like and now you know we're going to blah 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 and it's super um as i like to call it woo woo um you know, you can try and find a different class where it's maybe something that's a little bit more straightforward, like an Ashtanga class. Like, you know, your partner does well with discipline and they like a consistent practice. Or um, let's say you know that they're just crazy tight and they have no flexibility and maybe they will um, feel like they don't, like they don't want to um, be intimidated, something like a relaxing restorative or like a yin yoga where you're not doing as much movement and you can really succeed, um, could be helpful. So I think it's, you know, it's, 
going to be different for each person um, depending on their likes, their dislikes. Um, so I'd say that that first class is going to be really important. So really trying to make sure that it's the right class for that person or for your significant other, even for yourself, you know, um, because I think having the wrong teacher initially can really turn people off. Um, or having a class that's too advanced, um, can, can again, turn people off and turn them away from something that's incredibly helpful for mind and body. So, um, that initial class is very important. No, I totally agree with you there. Cause I think I, I did not realize when I first started practicing yoga, how much a you know difference a teacher really makes. Cause I had been going to one teacher who I actually lucked out and she, I prefer like the hippy dippy, um, style of yoga myself, just the chill. And, um, this teacher, you know, fit that style. And I just thought all of yoga teachers were like this. And then I happened to go to a different class one day with a different teacher. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, she's like, do one more, keep pushing through. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. You're like yelling at us. I'm like, I want to be like <laughs> relaxed. I'm like, I can yell at myself when I'm lifting weights. I want to chill out in yoga, you know, whereas other people I'm sure cause the class was packed, enjoyed that. So it's always kind of like, what does what do you want from your yoga practice? So I like that advice. Yes, absolutely. And I and I wasn't trying to badmouth classes that um, you know are like that that are more chill and maybe have this some of that uh, hippie vibes to it or whatever. I love both types of classes, um, but I think for guys sometimes that can be a turnoff. Totally. Um, <laughs> so it's just you know finding again not and I'm generalizing, but I think it's. I think it would be good to know your partner and know kind of what, um, what they like. So guiding them into that class, that would be most beneficial. Totally. So what style of yoga do you like to practice? Honestly, right now I'm for the most part just practicing meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, that's been my, my go-to. Um, but when I do practice, um, I really like, um, Hatha yoga, which is, mm -hmm. A little bit more chill yoga, kind of. I think that's the style that you like, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. You are right. Um, and so working with kind of the different bodily energy systems and each pose has a different feel to it. And so you're able to embody that pose, kind of feel the energy of each pose um, versus just moving through a bunch of sequenced postures. Um, now, with Hatha, you can sequence, po sequence the postures in a certain way to elicit a certain effect, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I like that too. It's like when you go to a Hatha class, typically you'll know what the end goal is. Like, oh, this is a you know third moon um, class where we're going to bring your um, your body more grounded, and you you actually know kind of what you're getting into. Um, and so I like that it seems, it feels a little bit more traditional. Um, but I also have my guilty pleasure of my hot power fusion at core power. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got the other opposite end to that. Um, and I like that class because it's very structured, right? It's kind of like Bikram, um, in that it's very hot. Um, you've got a sequence of poses that you go through. So each time you go through it, you kind of know what to expect. It feels really good for me. It feels kind of 
good in my spine. I always walk out of there never feeling like, oh, I don't know what I did because it's the same series of poses. So I could zero in on, oh, that one time and that this specific pose, I can kind of feel that I was off or something. Um, so that's my other guilty pleasure when I am practicing the having a moving practice. So I love how you call it a guilty pleasure. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) So in yoga, I know like mindfulness and being present is so important. Um, so how, what advice do you have for people like kind of how to bring that mindfulness to their yoga mat? Yeah. Um, you know, the breath is everything. Uh, that is the single most important piece uh, of life really. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, I definitely think that that piece, if you can start to use that, you'll start to be able to feel how you move a little bit better. Your core will engage a little bit more. Um, and it's applicable everywhere. You know, you're stressed out, take, take some breaths. I know it's over said, right? Count to 10, take some breaths, but it really does work. I mean, we need to train our nervous system to be able to relax and you can do that through the breath um so it's that's my one major piece um second is definitely the different yogic locks so Mm -hmm. knowing um you know you've got a few of them you've got a chin lock uh basically belly button lock um, and then kind of a deep pelvic floor lock and in a moving practice, being able to tap into those, you're really able to guide your energy um, a lot better to get into positions better, um, to really know that you're grounded and you're sitting in that position in the right uh, way. So the breath and then knowing those locks, which go hand in hand with the breath. Totally, yeah, the bandhas. The the bandas, yes. (laughs) I love it. Um, That is something that I, when I first started yoga, and then when I was doing it, you know, Lifetime is actually where I also started my yoga practice or yoga journey. And, um, like, we never really discussed, I guess, the breath. I mean, I'm sure she mentioned it, but I didn't really, I guess, dawn on me that this is what yoga is all about until I went to um, a yoga retreat in Costa Rica. So I just went from Lifetime just to jumping out and, let me go on this yoga retreat. That's pretty much how I stumbled upon yoga um, and really fell in love with it. And all that she kept telling us was the breath. Everything is with the breath. And I was like, oh, wow. I feel like I'm doing yoga wrong, even though you're not doing it wrong. You're just doing it. You know, you're doing it. But I was like, I really feel like I opened a new door by, you know, connecting my breath to my movement. So I totally agree with that, you know, just finding that breath. And I mean, telling people that yoga is about the breath. And then really getting that light bulb moment, like, oh yeah, that is, that is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm slowing down, you know? So the fast paced environment, you know, kind of one of the benefits of going to a yoga class is, you know, going into maybe a slower class like a Hatha where you can kind of just relax and just focus on you. Um, Where in Ashtanga, you might be a little bit more fast paced and then you're kind of going out of class and you still might be in that go, go, go mode instead of a little bit more relaxed was probably what your body was telling you you needed, even though you were resisting it. Yes. And that, that is awesome. I was shaking my head the whole time. (laughs) Yes. Shaking my head. Yes. Just nodding. Can't see me, but, uh, um, totally on, on point with that. And another piece too, that is, I think so important. And I see people walking out of class early. Now Mm. this goes back to 
you know, being able to calm, relax, and let your practice sink in um, is Shavasana, right? Yes. Where you need to take that time at the end of each class and allow your body and mind to really integrate. Because when you're going through a class, there's a lot, you know, a lot of emotions can come up, um, you know, different things in your body, new things that you've experienced energetically, and being able to just chill and stay still for several minutes, um, and at least two minutes, um, five, I think like five to 10 minutes is optimal. If you have the time, mm-hmm. take it. Right. Totally. Uh, and so I'd say that's the other piece too, that I think sometimes, sometimes I forget about and, um, definitely need. I know. I mean, even if, cause I've been doing half hour, um, yoga sessions with clients and I always try to make at least a couple minutes at the end to, you know, go to Shavasana, even though sometimes I feel like they don't always want to, they'd rather, you know, do another pose. And I'm like, no, really, this is where kind of the, the fun is. This is where you're getting to relax and just let your body be, you know? And a lot of the times I think it's, you know, we don't want to be sitting in quiet with our minds because we're kind of scared of sometimes what, what's going to come up. And I think a lot of it for people in Shavasana, that can be it, you know? And I actually just had a guest on the podcast and she was telling me about her um, situation with it, you know, where she had been a rape victim and she was like, I had to leave class early. And I was like, wow, I've never thought of that. So, you know, sometimes people leaving class are like, they could have those underlying issues, but they don't want to, they don't feel safe, you know, to lay there. And I was like, wow, that's, you know, to me, it was eye opening being like, wow, I, I suppose some of the people might actually, you know, have something like that where they are scared to do that. So um, that's also something that I never had thought of, or maybe you hadn't either. Yeah, no, that's, that's very, I mean, if you don't do it, if you don't want to do it, right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's number one. And that's like rule number one with yoga. If it feels wrong with your body, it probably is, Mm -hmm. you know, um, same thing with the mind. If you feel like this is putting you somewhere that you don't want to go, then, you know, it's not right for you. Um, so that's what I really like about yoga is it's so personal, you know, you can really do whatever you want to do for the most part. Yep. Yep. And I was, my, my mentor always said, you know, find your healthy edge. So kind of knowing where that is for you. So, you know, if you're healthy edge, maybe you're in Shavasana and tears start to come up and you want to leave, but they're, you know, safe and healthy tears, you know, maybe you do need just to sit there. If that's your healthy edge is let that out. You know, and so sometimes kind of knowing, okay, is this my, is this my edge? Am I good? You know, and knowing that, knowing yourself. Yes, absolutely. So how has yoga kind of changed your outlook then on your life? Big question. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I mean, really, honestly, my life started to change just from being able to sleep. I mean, Mm. I was just not in a good place um, when I couldn't sleep from there, from you know, those late hours and just not being able to wind down. But from there and building a practice, um, so I I left out a little part. I started with one day and then I added two days and I added three days, four days, five days. And I was basically training or, uh, doing yoga five, six days a week. Oh, wow. And, And that's when I basically started that life, uh, life power yoga program. And through that, we had some exercises that we had to do. So, in the teacher training, we had to do mindful eating. We had to do 15 minutes a day of meditation. 
um, we were encouraged to do yoga naps, which were like 20 minutes, uh, little naps each day, ah, um, that's cool. which was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, that was where I really started to see a big difference because those mindful activities just every day changed my life. I mean, it was like, we're so used to ramp being ramped up and banging our bodies hard and you got to do another mile and, but there's the other side of the spectrum too that we forget. We need to train our nervous system from the calming side too. Um, so that's where things really started to started to change. Were those daily practices? Mm, that is great, especially like you know during the holiday seasons, everything is go go go, and just taking time. You know, even if it's just two minutes. Okay, I need to just sit in my car. I need to chill out. You mm. know, no kids, no music. Just relax and breathe and then go on with your day. You know, people like that little difference can make a big difference. You know, just having your feet on the car floor or on the ground, just, okay, I'm connected. Yes. And that's the biggest thing is that's from those practices, you do gain that connection. Mm -hmm. And basically you gain understanding to knowing what you need moment to moment and just seeing certain things and just allowing them to be right. You see them, you're like, okay, wow, I'm having this uh, this feeling right now and all right, there it goes, you know, it kind of moves through you and you kind of start to build awareness around, uh, your inner workings and just being at peace with some of the things that you just really can't control. Yes. Ugh. So another way then, you know, with the yoga is meditation, especially since that's what you're really practicing now. So I know one of the biggest, you know, misconceptions of meditation you know, that you have to sit in silence, you know, for 20 minutes and think nothing. You know, what are some other things that you think are misconceptions out there about meditation practice? Uh, yeah, um, that's a really good one. Um, I think that that misconception is one of the biggest ones. So I like to say um, with meditation, it's sitting with your junk, right? Mm -hmm. not, not sitting in your junk, but sitting with your junk. So you're going to see some of this stuff come up and it's just being with it, but not being in it, right? You're not holding on to it. You're not like, uh, frustrated. You just kind of can start to step aside and see things for it, for what they are. Um, but yeah, you don't have to sit in the quiet for 30 minutes. If you need to, you could do a guided meditation. There's so many amazing guided meditations that you can go to, um, even live ones here in the Twin Cities. Um, you know, you could do walking meditation where you do a loop around the lake. Um, and the whole time you're just noticing things around you, right? You don't have your cell phone out. You're just feeling each individual footstep. Um, there's, you know, you could mindfully choose to wash the dishes, um, and, and just being kind of with the activity that you're doing, right? With meditation, you're typically sitting and allowing the mind to kind of work itself out um, and and allowing your nervous system to relax, right? Um, but it's different people need different things. So it's, there's so many different ways to go about it. Yes, I love it. I mean, and that, and you name so many different ways to do it. And I think that you know, people can find something from that, you know, that, okay, I can do a walking meditation. That's great. Or even doing the dishes, I can just be present and do the dishes, you know, instead of being 
well, I know when I do the dishes or wash bottles at this moment, you know, I'm like, Oh, I'm just, Oh, what do I got to do next? Oh, I got this on my to-do list. And then this, and then what happens is you're kind of like just stressed out instead of just being like, okay, I'm here washing the bottle. Did I get all this? Oh, okay. I still have to do this in the rinse this spot, you know, just kind of being in an activity. And I think the more you practice that on the mundane activities, the more it's going to just be part of your life then. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I completely agree. It's, it's being consistently kind of with the moment and yoga, the definition is actually to yoke, right? Mm -hmm. So to yoke the mind with the body, um, to yoke the mind with the spirit, um, and really that conscious attention, um, even if you feel like you can't focus, right? It, it is a practice. I'm sorry to say, but most of us just aren't pretty much all of us aren't inherently born with this very focused attention and you have to keep drawing your focus back and back and back and back. It's not just a one and done type thing. It never is. Um, so it's constantly just bringing your awareness back to the activity that you're doing and knowing that you're in that activity, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you're going to do that activity best, right? It's just like a, a football player or, you know, a tennis player. They're in, they call it in the zone, right? They're not thinking about how they have to move. It's muscle memory at that point. They've practiced and they've consistently practiced it again and again so that when they do come to actually do that activity and play somebody and win, right, they're doing it without really having to think about it. Mm -hmm. No, uh, totally. I mean, I was an athlete for many years and I was like, I never – you know, even thought, okay, do this slide here, go here, you know, like it just was, my body just did it, you know? And so even when you train clients, which you might notice too, is, you know, I have clients who, um, if they think about a move, then they mess up, but they were just doing it perfect. But as soon as they, you know, get into their head and they're like, Oh, what am I doing? And I'm like, Oh, you were, you had it down, you know? And so that's some of those little things like that, where sometimes we get in our head when we can just let our body do its thing. Absolutely. And I think that that piece, you know, with, a yoga, a moving yoga practice too is the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. So we talked about being worried about, am I doing this right? Well, no, you're not going to be doing it right at first, but eventually when you do start to tune in, you're going to start being able to move without having to think about it. Mm -hmm. And that's why some of the yoga studios, if people went to them and they're like, Oh, why don't they have mirrors? You know, cause they want you to be in your body and they want you to feel how it feels and not just look at the mirror to make sure that you're in the perfect spot. So that's yeah. one of the things I like about practicing without a mirror as well. Yes. Yes, exactly. So then in terms of your personal practice, like where did you start with your meditation and then where are you at today with it? Um, so honestly, I started, um, meditating for my first time through this program called the Penny George Institute. Um, it was a, I believe like a eight, eight or 12 week program. And it was created by this guy, Henry Emmons. Very, very cool guy. Um, really, really recommend his books, uh, Chemistry of Joy or The Chemistry of Calm. This guy is an absolute genius and uh, really brings some Eastern thought to the West about diet, exercise, um, mindfulness. And so I took this class through the Penny George Institute and we they'd take us through these little guided meditations and they'd encourage us to kind of sit and just be for five minutes. And that was when I really started, which was probably about 2011-ish. Mm -hmm. And then when I went through my yoga teacher training program in 2012, end of 2012, um, that was the other daily practices, right? 
and having to, we had the homework assignment of doing that daily practice of meditation. And that's where I really gained the benefits because you can't really fully expect to gain a lot of the benefits without a consistent practice, whatever it is, you know, exercise, um, yoga, uh, uh, pranayama practice, right? A breathing practice. Um, and, but the funny thing is too, is once you have done it for a long time, you kind of know when you need it. So I've gotten to a point now where I feel like I don't have to have it every day. Um, I know a lot of people that have a daily practice and I know that I feel best on the days when I do, but re it's not realistic for everybody. So I think part of that is once you get up to that certain point of having done it a lot, you can really sink in, even if you've taken a day or two off, into that space where you're just very relaxed. So my meditation practice is now not not necessarily daily, um, but I'd say at least every two days or so, and sometimes it's every day. Um, so it just kind of depends on where I'm at in my life. Um, and, and how long do you usually do yours for? I say at least, I mean, start. you want to start out slow, right? Mm -hmm. But I, I recommend at least 15 minutes. Um, if you consistently do 15 minutes, um, I'd say work up to 20 because I'd say about that 15 minutes is where your nervous system really starts to come down. Now, if you've done some breathing techniques before your practice, you know, you might not need to be in there as long because your nervous system might be relaxed enough. But I say at least 15 minutes um, and, you know, setting that as a long-term goal once you hit that at least 20 minutes um, because you start to really drop into that relaxed space at about 15. And that's where they say your, your uh, par uh, parasympathetic kind of starts to turn on typically. Um, so that's about right for the amount of time. That's Yeah, and I just <laughs> – I was around 15, 20 minutes, and then I fell out of it for, I don't know, a couple weeks, maybe a month, and now I'm back at five minutes and have to build myself up. So that's something else for people, too. If, you know, you do fall off the bandwagon, it happens, and then you're just like, okay, I'm back to five minutes, and I'll work myself back up there. You know, so that's, I mean, that's one of the things, as with yoga, as with fitness, like it's, you know, it's your practice. Like you have to continuously practice it. Otherwise, you kind of lose that muscle memory, and you have to start over again. <laughs> Yeah, and I think I think that's a really good point, Andrea, is taking and starting with even five minutes. I mean, I can honestly tell you I've had some of the best meditation sessions that I've ever had with just setting a five-minute, a 10-minute clock and just absolutely sinking in because you, you're craving that space of just silence, right? And we all need that. There's so much going on in our society. We're advertised to. We've got our phones on. People are calling us. We've got emails. We've got to get to this thing. We're driving here. We're listening to music. And just taking that that active five minutes, right? This this is time that I'm literally setting aside to do nothing um, is the most important thing, I think, that you can do for your day, um, for your mind. Yeah, and it totally totally sounds counterproductive, you know, being like, oh, this <laughs> right? time of nothing is actually when I'm getting a ton done, but it's so true. <laughs> so it kind is. of along with the, you know, yoga and the meditation, you know, Ayurveda is something that is kind of in the yoga world. So it's the Eastern kind of medicine and philosophy. So with that are doshas. So 
I know that this is an area that you're kind of skilled in and I am actually just started a nine month Ayurveda program that I'm going through. Cause I love, Ooh. you know, Ayurveda and learning more about it. So, um, we're just tipping into more dosha talk. So I know that you are passionate about the doshas. So can you tell everyone kind of a brief overview of what they are and why knowing your dosha is important to you or it should be yes. important to you? Do you mind if I backtrack for like half a second? Yeah, no, go ahead. Um, so with Ayurveda, um, you know, the doshas are within Ayurveda and I'm just, I got super excited cause I, uh, thought that this might come up. So I actually have one of my books out here. Ooh. Um, what is it called? So it's called, oh my God, the best book in the world. <laughs> um, it is the textbook of Ayurveda fundamental principles, Ooh. um, by Vasant Lad. And that, so we had to buy that book for our course. Yep. It is, it, it. I mean, you're you're in the, doing the real deal if this is your book, because yep. I think he basically started the first Ayurvedic Institute um, in the U.S. Um, and he's written this book, and it's very legit. Like it is absolutely on point. Um, so the definition of Ayurveda is the power of nature that cures disease and promotes health. Mm. Who doesn't want that? Yes, right? <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Um, and it's essentially a living wisdom. So Ayurveda takes on anything of validity. So Western medicine, um, you know, surgical techniques that have been proven, it takes some of that stuff on. It takes on um, whatever is true and has been proven over the years. Um, so uh, personally, I, I do think that the doshas are a very real thing. So the doshas basically have to do with um, the mental makeup and physical makeup of each person. Um, so it doesn't even necessarily have to be a person. They're typically qualities, right? Mm -hmm. um, but each person has this, this certain type of um, dosha based on, right, am I tall, am I skinny, um, do I have larger bones, um, you know, do I – have a tendency towards worrying about things? Am I very disciplined and this is how it goes? So the doshas take this into account and they say, hey, um, this is these are the type of yogic practices that you should be doing, like breathing techniques or um, you know, yogic moving practices or foods that you should be eating based on your mental and your physical makeup. Um, so it's, it's really, a framework to work within, but it's actually pretty true when it comes down to it. Um, I'm even reminded of what are the, the different types, body types? It's like mesomorph, ectomorph, and endomorph, mm -hmm. right? Yep. So those three types. I never thought of that, yeah. Yeah, so those three types of body types yeah. we're actually told as trainers, right? Yep. And just in general medical stuff that we should be having a certain amount of our foods from different macronutrients like – the tall skinny is supposed to have more carbohydrates, right? The medium body is supposed to have maybe more, um, more protein or something like that. Um, you know, the larger body is supposed to have more fat, um, in their diet, more protein. Um, so it's just those things, those different doshas, right? We've got tall skinny, we've got vata, we've got, um, you know, shorter, stockier, we've got pitta, um, we've got a little bit heavier, um, bigger boned kapha, right? So mm -hmm. these three things, 
it, I think it kind of says the same thing. Um, you know, like Vata is supposed to have some sweeter foods, which to me says carbs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Pitta is supposed to stay away from spicier foods because they have a lot of fire in the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kapha is supposed to stay away from, um, you know, the cooler, um, oily things because they have more of that in their mental or not mental, um, physical makeup. Um, so just based on those things, right, you're basically eating for a certain body type, moving for a certain body type, and just being able to see some of the, the mental things um, that come up regularly and just seeing them for being a typical thing that is in your dosha or even in your genetic makeup, as you could call it. Um, so, Yes. And I just recently – or today, actually, I did a Facebook Live – on the energy cycle, you know, using like the kapha time of the day, pitta time of the day, and vata time of the day, you know, and how that actually plays a part in just regular life, which, you know, that's where they, you know, like your 10 and 2 is your pitta. So that's where your digestion happens and why we should eat early and lighter. So when you really, I mean, if you're anyone's really interested in this, you know, even doing a little research or, you know, taking Deepak Chopra's got a good know your dosha, you know, quiz. So if you're interested in, oh, I wonder what I am, you know, they have some quizzes online and they're usually free. Um, so if anyone's interested, there's some good ones. Do you know of any other good site? I know he has a good one. Um, no, yeah. Deepak Chopra is a really good one. I like that one. Um, I trust really anything yoga international. Mm -hmm. Um, they're based in the Himalayan tradition, um, that I went through with the Hatha um, program through Devanadi. So anything um, international yoga on their website is amazing, very true to tradition. Um, and I'm sure they might even have a dosha quiz on there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so Yeah, so if you just find it out there, there's some really good ones if anyone's interested in that. Do you have anything else on the doshas? Um. Again, I would have to say that the food thing is so important. So I kind of honestly have sort of forgotten the other ones because I eat for my own dosha. Ah, Um, that's awesome. But it's uh, vata, really like sweet, sour, and salty. Mm -hmm. So at each meal, I try and add in one of those flavors. The sour is kind of tough to come by, but I try and add in at least the sweet and salty. Um, and that has really changed how I eat, right? You get the spice of life, right? You get something that actually has flavor in it, right? And that gives you kind of that, uh, mental energy, right? You don't want your food to be super bland. You want to eat something that tastes good. Yes. So it kind of helps you live your life out and gain the spice of life by eating, um, for your, your makeup. So that's the biggest one that I'd say. Yeah, no, I totally agree. We had um, the Everyday Ayurveda cookbook is what we, during our course, they um, had us purchase. So if anyone's interested in more about, you know, cooking for your dosha, that would be a good cookbook um, to kind of pull recipes from. Because that's where I'm starting to do as well, because I am a little bit more pitta than anything. I'm almost tridosha across the board, but I do lean a little bit more towards pitta. So I am kind of that fiery, competitive person. So that's where I... I don't like spice, so thankfully I don't have to give that up. Because <laughs> pittas are not supposed to have that spice. So if anyone's like, why does you have to give it up? That's why. <laughs> yeah. The other one, too, that's really funny for pitta is pittas te- t- typically have 
an overactive liver. Like their blood is like burning hot all the time. And so they like to drink. So drinking, not the best for Pitta. It calms the liver down, but it, you know, produces other negative effects. So that's That's, kind of one of the funny ones too. uh, That's funny. That's where I am like a little Vata. That's why I'm, I'm so close to being Tridosha, which means basically you're equal across the board. Like I'm always freezing, like my hands, my feet, I'm always run cold. So that's where I'm like, Oh gosh, across the board, which, which makes it harder if you're, you know, just squeaking out just a little bit to kind of eat for your dosha. I have discovered Yes. Yeah, I'm definitely always, I'm a freeze baby. Totally. It's like if there's an event outside, it's too cold. I don't have the right gear. Forget about it. Yep. (laughs) Same with me. (laughs) Uh, So hopefully we didn't lose anyone over the dosha talk, but we're going to switch back into gears um, and going into fitness because he is like myself into yoga and he's also a personal trainer. So I kind of was interested in knowing what's your personal, you know, kind of fitness philosophy. Yeah. Um, I know we were talking a little bit before the podcast came on. Um, we were talking about uh, PRI, which is postural restoration. And um, that is one of my biggest pieces that I love to integrate. It really gets at the root of the why. So like what's going on with your body on, on the deepest level? Like why are you moving the way that you're moving? How are you rotating? Um, and so I think it's really important to have your why just in general for fitness, for like, what do you want to do? Um, why do you want to do it? And, and tapping into that, right? If you don't really enjoy what you're doing, find a way to enjoy it, right? Or just do something different. So have your why as to why you're doing the thing that you do, right? If you like to walk a lot, do that, right? If you like to hike, do that. Um, and, and, even when you're training, if you are doing strength training, train for what you like to do outside the gym. You know, you're a rock climber. Um, make sure to definitely work your back, but also work out your chest. You know, you need to find a balance. So having that um, definite why as to why you're doing the thing that you're doing and having that why as to how is this going to make me move better through space and can I get that professional opinion about um, – you know, why my body's doing what it's doing. Um, so I think that that is really important because you'll see a lot of trendy things out there. Um, and a lot of the basics are what's most important to do. Uh, dumbbell curl or dump any type of dumbbell strength exercise over a machine, for example, right? If you're not a bodybuilder, you probably don't need to do all machines, <laughs> you know, not that bodybuilders do all machines, but you probably should be doing something with more of a dumbbell um, to build more stability through your shoulder joint or through whatever um, body part that you're using. Totally. Yeah. And that's where I'm all about finding your why I read the, have you read no sweat? Gosh, I don't remember the author. Um, I feel like I've heard of that book. I have not read it. I probably, I probably wasn't told you, but I love that book. I've been telling everyone about it and it's all about finding your why. And I mean, that's key with anything, especially fitness. Like if you don't know why you're doing it, the dropout rates are immense if you're just kind of like, well, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just here, but don't really have a goal. So it makes it harder to stick with something. So I totally agree with finding your why. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that goal piece is, is really important. So, yeah. So what's your favorite thing about being a trainer? Favorite thing is the different people that I get to interact with, Mm -hmm. you know, on a daily basis, I work, um, with people aged, you know, 
35 to age 74. Mm. Um, so I work with a very wide range of clients. Um, and that, you know, they all have a different life story. They all have their different needs, um, wants. And it's cool because I get to really engage with a lot of different personalities, um, with different goals again, you know, they each have their different why. Um, I have one lady actually, well, she is the owner of the place that I train at. It's the owner's, um, mom. And so I train her, we train four days a week. And her thing is just, she just wants to move better. She wants to feel better. Right. But she's also in the process lost about 50 pounds, not necessarily just with me, but over the course of the last two years or so, she's worked really hard to get, tune in with the diet. Right. But also she's very consistent she even practices at home. That's right. Awesome. So I'll give her a little homework and she likes to do it. So that's the other thing too, is I just love seeing people start to build it into their lifestyle, right? They start to take it and run with it because I'm just the beginning, right? Yes. There's so much more that they can learn on their own and from other teachers. Um, so that's the exciting part. Oh, yes. I totally agree. That's oh, that's awesome. Um, so since you do have the crossover yoga fitness, I figured I'd ask this to you. So because I always kind of think about this. So I was curious to see what you thought. What are tips that you have for maybe people who are in the fitness world um, and they're a little intimidated to go to that yoga practice. So these could be your, you know, hardcore lifters or people who are like, wow, I'm really not flexible. I could never do yoga. Do you have any tips for them to get them to a yoga practice? Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. I mean, you put a lot of these muscle bound dudes in a fitness class, um, or women or, too. Yeah. Or women or women, um, that, you know, let's say that they're only runners or they only like strength training. Mm -hmm. Um, they, you will be tight. You will, you will be, I guess, for lack of better terms, rigid, right? Mm -hmm. You're going to, your body's going to be a little bit tight. Um, cause that's what you're doing, right? You're contracting your muscle. You're shortening the muscle. Um, when you're, when you're building muscle for the most part, I mean, yes, you can stretch, but, um, I don't know a ton of people that have as much of a stretching program. So just know that if you don't have one, it's, it's going to be a little bit challenging for the, your first couple classes, so I say give, excuse me, give, give each class a try, like give each class at least twice to three times, um, before you decide that it's not the right thing for you. And then again, it goes back to what type of class, um, Hatha yoga, a vinyasa yoga. Are you going to be bored just sitting there? Right. Mm -hmm. It's possible. Don't do that class then. Right. Mm -hmm. A yin yoga or a restorative class, not for you. Mm -hmm. If you feel like, oh yeah, I'm, I need a day to just totally chill out. Um, I need to give my muscles some recovery. Great. Try a, try a restorative, try a yin yoga. Um, yes. so it's about finding the right class, um, for your, your mental, um, mind for your mindset and for your body. Totally agree. And now we're going to kind of flip the script. So right. what about for the yoga people who never really know what to do in a weight room or who are like, I don't, why do I need to weight lift? What would you tell them? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good one. Um, I mean, there's, if you're like the gung ho yogi, right? Like that's what you do. That's what you love. Um, you might have some, some imbalances, right? Because it's, there's, it's very heavy on hamstring stretching. It's very heavy on, I mean, this is vinyasa or hatha um, practice. It's very heavy on the, the chest or the triceps. 
Um, so it's, I really think that it's important, even if you're not going to do a ton, um, to really strengthen your back, um, back muscles, upper mid back, um, to really make sure that you're strengthening your triceps, but you're also doing some bicep work too. Um, because you know, you're using your, your triceps to do a lot of the chaturangas, pushups, um, and you need to find that balance. It's just like rock climbers, right? They're using their back a lot of the time. You got to do some pushups at the end of your practice. Um, so it's the opposite for yogis, right? We need to strengthen our back. We need to make sure our biceps are strong. Um, and then also glutes. So strengthening your glutes, strengthening your hamstrings and, um, doing some core work too. So really making sure that you have the stability, you have the balance, um, and you've got your, your back muscles balanced out. Yes, I totally agree. That's how I like to train. Most people are a lot more back body focused because, you know, if you're a yogi and you might have a desk job, you're really rounded and you really are shortening those chest muscles throughout the day too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. So anything else that you want to say before we wrap up with our last few questions? No, no, it's been great. I mean, I just, I love talking about this stuff. Um, it's, I think it's once you start diving into it, right, the right teachers start coming up. Um, you maybe hear a thing here or there. It's not, it's not going to just come to you like anything. You do have to kind of dive deeper into, um, into the sister sciences, right? You've got Ayurveda, which is, uh, the sister science of yoga. So you have to kind of explore these different things, um, that are, um, that go hand in hand with yoga, um, in order to gain the most benefit from, um, your whole life, right? That living wisdom. Totally agree. Especially after diving into this course, like that's just so much to learn. <laughs> yeah. And the clock, right? That oh, Ayurvedic yes. clock that you were learning about yep. now, right, right now, um, we're in the, um, Vata season. So for, um, you know, this winter time, that's where things start to dry out, right? So you might need to put some more things on your skin to, to keep from drying out or to get the right hair product or something that will keep, keep you moisturized. So there's certain things too that just in your day-to-day -day life, you're going to be able to apply. And that's where the real juicy stuff is, where you can apply this on a day-to-day -day scale um, and start to feel more grounded, start to feel more in touch with life. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. So then where can we find you at? I know this was my challenge to you is to get on Instagram more. So where can we connect with you at there? Yeah. Uh, it is fit guru, Mikey D, um, kind of a random, <laughs> random one that I came up with, uh, might change here within the next six months or so. But I was in, uh, I was in Sedona and I was feeling all energized and I was like, that's, this is going to be my Instagram handle. Yeah. It's going to be super sweet and, uh, could be better, but, uh, you know, I do feel like that fitness and the yoga side, I was trying to give off that vibe. So I love it. So then, uh, speaking of that, what does peaceful power mean to you? Yes. Peaceful power. Um, so basically I thought about this and I thought about giving like an explanation, but I wanted to give an example of a yoga goddess instead. Mm. Um, there is a yoga goddess called Durga, D-U-R-G-A. And she is just this incredible 
primordial goddess um, that basically is just just chilling on a mountain, right? She's just hanging out on a mountain, and these demons just try and come to attack her, and she just has her she has her weapon, you know, and is just sitting there. She's just sitting in like lotus position with her fingers crossed, and she's fighting off this demon without without even really opening her eyes, right? She's just totally zenned out and just fighting this demon off like it's nothing. Um, so just giving that image of Durga sitting on her mountain just can take on anything without having to do much, right? She's in her power. She's sitting there and can fight off these demons without without really trying. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. I'm like envisioning it right now. That's I had like my eyes closed envisioning that. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm telling you, you have to. I'll, I'll try and find the story so maybe you could post because I think it's a very cool story. Um, but I had a teacher to actually talk about about uh, this at one of our yoga retreats, and it it was moving. It was like, wow, that's so cool. But yeah, it sounds awesome. Oh, that's great. So then, my last question for you today. Um, I always like to have people do a little weekly challenge to the listeners. So what weekly challenge would you like to give everyone this week? Ooh, how about, uh, how about the five minutes of just sitting? Um, and, and if you feel like it, sitting down and just doing um, a you know, one-minute notation of random things that came up during that time. Mm. Uh, because the mind is going to wander. Um, I'd say as an anchor point, maybe using your breath. So just focusing on the breathing in and out. Um, and again, focusing, just keep drawing your awareness back to your, back to your nostrils, back to your breath and see, write down all the wild stuff that comes up because the mind is absolutely has a lot of it just doesn't make sense. So write it all down, have some fun with it and just, just try and chill out. Yes. Oh, it's so true. I mean, journaling about it afterwards. I was just reading through one of my old journals entries and I was like, wow, I forgot that I felt like this. Like post baby, I was like, oh my goodness, like this is crazy. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, and just reading it back, I was like, man, well, I still don't know what I'm doing. I think as a mom, you're like always learning, but you know, it's just kind of crazy to read that. And I'm like, oh, wow. You know, some of it's better, but some of it you're like, nope, still clueless about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think keeping a journal can be really helpful in any situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that is absolutely my challenge is to sit for five minutes, set a timer, try for five out of the seven days this week, just to chill um, and see some of the wild stuff that comes up. Don't sit in your junk. Sit with it. Oh, I love that one. Don't sit in your junk. Sit with it. Yep. I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on the podcast, Jay. It was wonderful having you and having our first male guest. Yay. All right. So thank you so much. And I, everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. If you're looking to spread more peaceful power in your life, head on over to sapphiretraining.com, spelled S-A, the word fire, training.com for more information about how to spread your peaceful power, as well as if you want a free resource guide on to working out for your body types, that is at the top of our homepage. So go on out there and spread your peaceful power.